Hello and welcome to the County Line, discussions of party politics from the Washoe County Republican Party. John Kerry, welcome to the County Line and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Looks uh, like it should be fun. Yeah, this these have been pretty good. I, I really appreciate uh, the, the party doing these for me because it's to me it's an important thing to strip down away from the ideas of party sometimes and really just look at what's going on. And so as an independent, I've got a lot of different views that go back and forth on different things because I look at it like I make a case for both sides, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of look for what's truth, uh, which is seldom found in opinion. No, truth is hard to find sometimes. That's right. Uh, so it's it's interesting, though, because the, the Washoe County Republican Party has allowed me to come in here into their space and to seek some some truth and some facts and some understanding from the way they see things without trying to pressure me to be like a part of what they are or think a certain way. I mean, it's pretty profound how they get such a bad rap. And at least here at the local level, it doesn't seem to be going that way. No, I mean, we're we're very open. You know, we want we want diversity of opinion and it's up to us to convince people that uh, yeah, a, a conservative point of view helps the world, mm-hmm. even though the other side thinks it doesn't. Yeah, right. You know, what, but, but they are very feeling-oriented. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. it feels good, if it's a nice thing to do, they want the government to do it. Yeah, which sometimes can be a little scary because if, as I look at the issue of homelessness in our area— the exacerbation of it is born from good intentions, from a, something that's going to make me feel good. When you start to do that without consideration of how your feelings could affect the actual, uh, you're probably setting yourself up to feel worse than where you started. Yes. Well, and and, and make makes the problem much worse. Yeah. You know, the, all, all of the, uh, you know, we are a very, very small piece of, what's happening with the homeless population. But if you look at uh, uh, Los Angeles and Seattle and Mm -hmm. they are spending billions of dollars to try to house the homeless, which they think is the best way to help. Mm -hmm. And all it does is bring in more homeless. Yeah. I tell (laughs) you, I, my wife and I took a vacation to Seattle uh, and it was such a great time. Uh, And, and we were in an Uber and the gal told us about their what happened to Seattle. They they adopted a policy of care for every last person. And so the second this policy went into effect, other cities began to put their homeless on trains and planes and buses and ship them off to Seattle. <laughs> so they're getting them by the hundreds now, right, potentially. And, and that's, to me, it's like there's no... There's nothing that you could probably do to a human being worse than extract them from their environment and send them somewhere else where they all, you know what I mean? When they're already in a situation, they can't help themselves. So these programs sometimes fall apart a little bit. And it's because they're not looking at economics. Mm. What, what are the economics? Well, if you give more money to something, you increase the supply mm-hmm. of that thing. Oh, 
right? Very true. <laughs> so and when there is a supply, and then yeah. and then if, and, and then you have to deal in, in the homeless situation. You have to deal with the supply. How do you deal with the supply? Yeah, and especially when when you know most most studies show that uh, uh, about 35 percent of the homeless have mental serious mental issues. Yeah, another 35 percent are uh, just want to hang and 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 do drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe there's a third that really could be helped with proper programs. Yeah, and you know we've we've had a couple conversations about this in this little room, and I really think that some programming that would be set up more like a triage system rather than sheltering systems. Like, so people would come in, and you'd kind of identify: is this a mental health issue? Is this a you just need to go to work issue? Is this a you're dying to go to work and you can't find work issue? Is this you just came in from another city and you're doing this? You can begin to identify root causes for individual cases of homelessness, and then send them out, you know, where help exists for, 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 for that. that specific thing. Right. Uh, so some of that is kind of, it's like, what, what would it take economically from the economic? Well, you, you you know, one, one of the, one of the first things that home homeless shelters, if a homeless shelter takes any federal money, mm. it has to be a wet shelter, which means that regardless of the substance alcohol that that person is taking, that shelter has to bring them in. Doesn't deal. Doesn't have to deal with the drugs, alcohol issue. Right. You just have to bring them in for a bed. Yeah. You know, which is, how you know, so. Yeah. That doesn't help. It's tough. It's <laughs> tough because this is that moment, and this is that moment where I'm finding more and more with conservative peoples. You're, it's not as though there's no heart to the situation. The heart is look, the wet thing. You're putting a person in there that they have a responsibility to care for themselves too. And if they don't, then nothing that I do is going to be fruitful in their care. And often that is shifted to, you don't have a heart. And I, I just don't think, I don't like that. That's another reason I chose to, to take this on as a project and, and kind of show like, Wait a second. Let's look at the realities versus the narrative control stuff. Right, and also also look at the result. The yeah. problem with these programs is they are never set up to be result oriented. Uh. There's never, a, you know, if 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 we get to this point, then we're successful and we can end the program. Yeah, yeah never. <laughs> no, I think you're hitting it again because it's like they create the supply to create a dependency. Not to create a solution. That's so valid. Yep. Because on the issue of homelessness or any other issue, the best way to find real solutions is to kind of uh, get to the offices that count, right? Right. And that's that's the party's plan here is to keep going towards legislative offices where you can affect real change. That's the only place you can affect any change. Uh, now, I mean, you know, you have the city council. Mm-hmm. For the for the city, but you know, statewide issues are in the legislature, uh, especially when you're you know take take a look at voting. Mm. All right, we had an issue with this last election. Um, there there were many many issues. However, the biggest was the Democrats basically gaming the system. Yeah, yeah. So they they went out, started in uh, early uh, uh, 2019, 
uh-huh. and started filing lawsuits, uh, trying to expand uh, voter registration, uh, mail-in balloting, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Republicans didn't do anything. Well, it's almost like they wanted to fight it a little bit just because it was coming from it. It was like, hey, what is this? Hey. Yeah. You know, without, yeah. I mean, the, 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 uh, in, in Georgia, they signed a consent decree uh, that, that yeah. basically gave everything to them. Yeah. Yeah. As so, a matter of fact, uh, Mr. Cohn, we had, a, we had a, yeah. a podcast with Chuck Cohn who was talking about something similar, how it's not illegal what they did. And that's the very problem is right. if we don't get some, some legislative body then stuff like this is just going to keep sucker punching us. It's going to get worse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so so the legislature, uh, the assembly and the Senate, they're the one that's, that, that creates our, our voting laws. And so the only way to change the voting laws is to work to change the assembly and the Senate. That's right. That's right. And the program here, they've done a pretty good job with zeroing in and targeting those. I think... Uh, you know, every single one of these little counties has a representative office for their party. And at some point, as much as I like to be an independent, there does come an element where you have to choose one side or the other if you want to have a say in the candidates at all. If you want to say uh, who's even going to have a who you're even going to have a choice. Of. So if we're going to do anything, it does start with that legislature and I don't know. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about the process of, of of that. Maybe some key uh, issues we're facing here uh, in this current legislative session that's coming up, and and some of the things that might help identify what is uh, liberal and conservative and what is truth in some of these issues. So, uh, the legislature uh, is focusing on uh, the budget mostly mm. looking at tax increases, mm-hmm. uh, various types of tax increases. Uh, and uh, uh, also trying to cement in the, the voting laws mm. uh, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so we at least are not in the super minority anymore. Uh. We're better, but we're still in the minority. Right. So we still have... Uh, it's so hard to fight some of these things. Yeah. Now, luckily, uh, the Constitution um, is uh, fairly strict on, on voting laws in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So that takes, to change the Constitution, takes basically three assemblies. Okay. So six years. Mm. So that, that is helpful because hopefully we can make some changes yeah. that uh, uh, will stop things like that. And it helps you kind of correct back and forth the other way to have that kind of time, which is nice, uh, you know, because we really can't allow things to go too far left or right because then a lot of people start getting left behind one way or the other. Uh, But that's good to know that changing the constitution of it is is a big deal because, quite frankly, I don't think I want to see us go towards a, a situation where it's just, okay, well, we're ballot harvesting, so I guess everybody's <laughs> going to ballot harvest now. I'd rather it go back to like, well, maybe we should reconsider the ramifications of this. Yes, yes. The fact is the best legislature is probably one that's very close to 50-50. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that nothing gets done. 
(laughs) (laughs) At the very least, nothing crazy is (laughs) happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, and that's good, too, what you're saying. I really like that because it, it, it almost allows more bipartisan issues to be presented in the first place. There are, believe it or not, for anybody who's listening, there are a great many things that we all can agree on that, yes, w- that we would need. Yep. Uh, and, and so if we spend too much time trying to get our way and go this way or that, we really lose out on the meat and potatoes of what can keep societies moving in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's more things that we agree on than we don't agree on. The oh. problem is the things we don't agree on are so basic that it's uh, very hard to work those out. Yeah, when our rudiments are in different foundations, that is definitely a problematic thing because you can have very valid, lucid points from either side. I say, I, you know, I kind of do this side thing. But of course, especially going into a legislative session, we have to acknowledge that there's more than two sides at play. Even if our party system is Democrat and Republican, when you're talking legislature, there's infinite agendas going right. on out there. Uh, right. and, and, and another big one in the legislature this, this session is going to be uh, the, the uh, power that the governor took um, in, in uh, declaring an emergency. Oh, and tell fact, us about that. And a the fact as well, I mean, he, he uh, Sislak uh, declared uh, COVID emergency in uh, uh, March mm-hmm. of uh, 19. It's almost been a year. Yeah. It's, we're still under those emergency powers, wow. which, which gives, gives him you know, ridiculous amount of, of, of leeway in what, what, what he's doing. And uh, he's taken that latitude too, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, every yeah. inch of it. Yes, he has. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, the legislature needs to put a, a uh, time limit on, uh, on uh, when you declare one of these things. That's lucid. And, I really like that. Yeah, so you know, a 30-day or a 90-day, I, I sort of, think a 90 days probably because if you declare an sure. emergency it's probably you know, 90 days to time, figure yeah. out what the hell's going on and it can and, be re-upped right oh yeah and then you go to the legislature Next and then 90 the, days, and then yeah. the legislature says yeah well you know you're right we'll re-up it that's very 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 salient what you're saying because we live in a nation of checks and balances on purpose we just can't be using you know i was afraid of it too because i watched the uh, the escalation of the executive order. Okay, the executive order really was just like a thing that was there in case we had anything we had to call upon that for, and then we started getting into administrations that were just kind of using them willy nilly. And at the time, I thought, well, this is that everybody hates the word slippery slope argument stuff, but that's what this is because. You may be celebrating some of these executive orders that are circumventing our system now, but there is going to come a day where you who are celebrating are going, whoa, there's way too many ugly executive orders. What were they saying when Trump did an executive order? That's exactly what it is. (laughs) And then now it's like you watch Biden just rapid firing them out. (laughs) Order, order, order. It's like, what is going on? Why are we getting ordered about so much? and uh, And the original reason for the executive order was a was to clarify law Ah. to say the as the executive 
I believe the law, which you didn't really write very well, uh, yeah. that law that you just passed uh -huh. actually says this. Right. And that's and, and and so it's a clarification of 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 legislation. And now it's being twisted and to be essentially a lawmaking tool in and of itself. That's right. Slippery slope. Wild. <laughs> Just wild. And I was watching it again. You know, look, this has been a tumultuous, I'm going to call it a tumultuous 12 years. The light of America really was, you know, the spotlight was, shown, uh, was thrown on all of us. And we all have some culpability for the good and for the negative in our political system. But this last 12 years has been really, really viscerally difficult. And I think it's time for us to be able to let some of that go and go back yeah. to simply focusing on truth. Do we need these state tax increases? Do we need more for mining and how much more? I mean, it's easy, I think, sometimes to come after some of the big guys like that. But you have to wonder, you know, I, I did one of these things with Tyree Gray, who's the president of Nevada Mining. And the man was just one of the most delightful people to be in the presence of. It's, it's, this is not a person that's sitting around like counting his tens and 20 on the side, you know. He really was like, look, we want to be able to help teachers and schools, and we support that already. That's what we do. But there does come a point where you start talking about numbers that are so big that what you're basically asking is, give it all to us. Right. And I see the stickiness of that. So these sessions are really but important to pay attention to for the average person. It's, it's, it's like a gallon of gas. On a gallon of gas, the oil company makes maybe four cents. Mm -hmm. The uh, state, federal, et cetera, makes about 65 cents. And they bitch that the oil companies are making too much money. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's why. And the only reason oil companies are making money is because of how many sheer volumes of gallons of gas would have to be sold worldwide to make it happen. At four cents a gallon, you can make some money if you've got 700 billion, you know, seven oh, yeah. billion. Oh, yeah. If, if enough gallons go out, you know? there's some dollars there. But, man, you're so right. They, and they want to they dip for another penny or two. And it's just every time it's like, how much of this turnip are we going to bleed here <laughs> before we just take a look at yep. the budgets that are there and figure out how to work with that? Uh, I think there's an inherent issue with people in their humanity where we kind of want to work at a 60 percent capacity. No one wants to go 100 percent all the time. Yeah, exhausting. Yeah, I don't want to work that hard. Can't. No. Uh, so, you know, and nowhere else is it going to show up like government. We're going to need another two pennies a gallon because I worked 40 hours this week. I'm not having it. None of that full time. Uh, tell me something. Tell me about you. Where, where did you come from in all this? What, have, what, what, uh, what do you do in the community? What, do you, what, what state stuff is important to you right now as far as the legislature goes? I'm originally from California. Okay. I was uh, born in San Diego, uh, raised in San Diego. Graduated college from San Diego State. Oh, very after, cool. After a little trip around a couple, couple other colleges and universities. Uh -huh. uh, graduated, got married, uh, moved to uh, Houston, Texas. Um, I was a uh, CPA hmm. at the time, uh, mm -hmm. working uh, uh, mostly for, for uh, uh, in the oil industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, through those connections in the oil industry, I went up to... Uh, 
Escanaba, Michigan, mm. upper, upper peninsula mm-hmm. of Michigan. And uh, uh, people I was working with were trying to uh, purchase the, the, what was the, the largest uh, uh, fuel oil and gasoline distributor in the upper peninsula. Oh, wow. Not very big. It's but the upper the peninsula. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, th- then I went to uh, Salt Lake City, and then I came back to uh, uh, Th- Thousand Oaks. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, lived in Camarillo uh, for uh, 20 years. Well, you got Johnny uh-huh. Cash vibes. And, nope. and I'm hearing the song now. No, <laughs> everywhere, man. <laughs> so, uh, but um, yeah, became in the Salt Lake thing, sort of became entrepreneurial. And uh, so I've been in and out of many companies. Oh, there you go. And uh, still own some things in uh, California that are just opening up again. Oh, hooray! A bar, bar restaurant, and a, uh, a hotel. Uh, so they are finally, yes, yes. Now, the hotel in the, I mean, we were, the hotel was just eating it. We were basically told to shut down, and I was still, PPP money and all that stuff was still still paying the uh, employees. Mm-hmm. And uh, the city came to us and said, uh, you want to house geriatric homeless? Ah. So we are housing geriatric homeless. I love that, man. I just had a conversation yesterday with an old friend who uh, he used to be the general manager of a couple of the knitting factories in the Northwest. I'm a concert guy, but this is my background. And I said, you know, hey, I'm looking for a show up in Boise. Can we do something? He said, oh, I haven't been with the knitting factory. I got furloughed in, in COVID. Oh, geez. Well, he tells me he's been doing Airbnbs and he's up to 11 of these Airbnbs now and he's doing three weeks at a time housing for it's it's not it's you know, it's an Airbnb. So it's still hotel style, but it's not for like a couple of days of stay. He's got and he's like, I've had tenants that have been in there for three years paying three weeks at a time. What am I doing? (laughs) I don't want to do concerts anymore. How do you get into the Airbnb? Uh, uh, Very funny. But. I love it, man, that, that there's there's some programs now and things. It, the, the shape of our world is shifting to where people can house more temporarily. In fact, what he was talking about was a lot of the people that were living in his Airbnbs were doing so just because they wanted to keep their kids in a good neighborhood and the school they wanted no. to go to. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. they just found one and said, well, instead of paying two grand rent, we'll pay 2400 a month or whatever it is, or every three weeks. But we'll get all the water stocked and all of our Q-tips paid for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and soap. <laughs> <laughs> so a funny world but covid sounds like it hit you pretty good it did yeah no that uh, uh for for a little while there it was uh a bit of a mess a touch but, and go uh, huh but uh yeah it's starting to clean up now so it's it's uh, still i mean it's a uh, uh oh that's a whole that's a whole different podcast is whether or not they the shutdowns stuff on covid yeah. And now that's kind of what the legislature's focusing on budget for, right? Because we just raided the hell out of our budgets for COVID and now they've got to sort it out. Casinos, largest largest revenue generator in the state, mm-hmm. were shut down totally. So <laughs> yeah. huh. so that blew a blew a pretty big hole yeah. uh in the budget. And yeah. uh so uh, the problem was that when at the same time uh, that Sisolak shut down the casinos, he should have been thinking about 
what's going what's that going to do to the budget yes and maybe we should start thinking about furloughing uh the uh employees etc that that you know yeah you know you're hitting on something i've been i i, I actually kind of the governor upset me several times through this because first of all i didn't think that from one day to the next just suddenly shutting everything down was going to be fruitful for anything I knew for sure it was going to cause more of a spread because people are going to rebel against that kind of shutdown. But here we are now gradually opening. I looked at it from the concert world like most of my venue is already set up for antiviral measures. Our stage is elevated and away from the crowd because we're dealing with touring acts. Uh, the e- ingress and egress is already de- developed to be orderly for all these same reasons to keep people safe in the room. Now, asses to elbows concerts, sure, we got to stop that maybe a little bit. But I still think we could have gone down to 50% capacity beginning in March. Mm-hmm. We could have then gone to 25% in April, depending on. And just the mere slowing down, instead of trying to hit the brakes and see who flies through the windshield, we slow it down and it gives everyone in every industry the opportunity to figure out what they're going to do with their employees not tax the hell out of our Dieter system and their uh, staff. So many things by just taking a reasonable moment to, to pay attention to it. And then it was just on and down the road. For my business, it was clear he wasn't consulting anybody and yeah. nobody was. Uh, he, he was consulting with California. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who told him terrible, terrible. <laughs> thing. You know, when he started calling cabaret acts ambient music, I was just <laughs> like, dude... Why don't you just pick up the phone and call someone? Is there a name for the band I got caught watching without my mask over dinner? Yes, Mr. Governor, it's called Cabaret. I know. But, you know, it's like this thing hit and people were just trying. So I get that. But but you're right. They It torpedoes any chance of having a budget to just shut it all down. Oh, and not, and, and not even think about the budget. I mean, really, he paid no attention whatsoever to the budget and shut down uh, $750 million of revenue. Jesus. And yeah. it's just a power grab, would you say? I mean, what's the, what, what is the, I don't know. I mean, that's, that, yeah. that escapes me. I know it's, it's tough to reconcile, especially as a person who's had a, a business that had sort of a monumental failure at, at a large level because of not considering consequences of actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to sit back and look at it, I'm like, how can we be trusting, uh, you know, of our government if if they're showing us that they panic first, you know? That's true. That's true. Who would you who would you like to see be governor? I don't know. It's uh, yeah, that's uh, well, six months from now is going to be getting close, <laughs> but yeah. right now. It's, it doesn't seem that, that close. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a number of people that are, you know, making some moves and, you know, thinking about things. And so, uh, but at, at this point, there's uh, uh, no name I would put out there. Well, I'm ready. If you need somebody. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> uh, Mr. John Kerry, you're a delight, man. I, I love having you in here. You're uh You've got a, a, a nice wealth of knowledge, whether it was, you know, defining the homeless shelters, the difference between the wet shelter, dry shelter. Uh, 70% is a huge number for that. And, 
you know, this is the kind of conversation I really hope gets out there because people have to understand, like I keep trying to rail on, we can have uh, social moralities with fiscal responsibility. We can blend those two things if we're smart about it and recognize when things do work and don't work. And uh, look, if the other side gets an idea that works, we should say, hey, that's awesome. Good for you, Republicans. You guys are doing a great thing. You put an independent podcast out there so people can hear real information in real time. Yeah. Whatever you want. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's, I like the idea that at least people seem open into heading to that direction in this age. We need more ideas and more speech, mm. not less. Mm. Uh, and again, it's, uh, uh, I'm open to any idea. You can, you can convince me I'm wrong. Mm. Uh, it's going to be hard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because I'm, I believe most of my ideas are fairly well based. Uh, yeah. And at least experience. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, and you know, the, 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 uh, people think that the, uh, issues that we're currently having with Democrats and Republicans is, uh, uh, you know, all Trump's fault. Something new. I mean, it's never happened before. <laughs> try, try what happened during Lincoln, oh, and wow. see what was happening then. Because that, well, I mean, it turned out, you know, six hundred thousand boys died. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. And and you know, you know how Nevada became a state. I, I would love for you to tell that story. <laughs> so, so um, in the eighteen sixty four election, Lincoln was worried because it was second second uh, term and he was in the middle of a civil war uh-huh. and uh, uh, Nevada was a conservative state basically made a deal listen I'll push through your statehood and you have two Repl- Republican senators <laughs> <laughs> so, so honest Dave said said, <laughs> said sure that that sounds like a great deal. Now the Senate had to had to uh, okay it, and uh, their only stipulation was that the federal government still owned all the land. Oh wow! <laughs> so <laughs> so except for the cities, which you know were back then, uh, Virginia City was one of the largest largest cities in Nevada. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, uh, so anyway, that's that's how. That it became a state. Wow. Lincoln, Lincoln needed a couple more senators to make sure he was going to be ele- reelected. Can you imagine that <laughs> history? Oh my god! Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, and then, and then the Republican it, it stayed Republican for uh, till till uh, uh, 1890, 1890s when uh, the Silver Party started. Ah, and the Silver Party because Nevada had so much silver, uh-huh. uh, wanted to make silver uh, uh, on par with gold uh, as a monetary asset. Yeah. Well, the other thing that would have done would have bumped up the monetary base and, and, and we would have had a, uh, uh, an avalanche of money, just yeah. like we're having right now. <laughs> Thanks, Tech. So, Bitcoin. so uh, but they split from the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. So the Republican Party started losing seats in in 1896 because the Republicans could not get their act together. That's incredible. And if you think about that at the root, that's really just good marketing. Because 
we know we got silver. Everybody want to be a part of the silver party? Right. Who's coming? Hey, party over <laughs> here. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I appreciate uh, the longevity in your knowledge of, of state politics here. I mean, it really makes me feel comfortable uh, hearing the way that you would see things to know that you, you can go back to 1864 and tell us how it all began and take it to 1890. I mean, it's really, it's, it's an incredible thing to, to have that kind of uh, access to information. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. That's yeah. a little reading. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and they told you you needed notes for this. You were, uh, John Kerry, was a pleasure to have you here. I mean, we're we're just about done here on the county line for today. Uh, John Kerry with a All C. Right. Very not, good. Not the senator I partied with with Tom Steyer. I, I, I keep saying I'm going to tell you this story, even though I'm going to cut it off just because it was so funny. Now, it so happened at the very end of that tour, the booking agency says, hey, we've got one more date we want to include in your tour here. Uh, they're offering a, a, a double your fee. I said, okay, that's great. What's the show? And they said, well, it's a private event. The kid is 18 and he's graduating high school. His name's Henry and the dad's turning 50. So they're having a little mix of events and everybody's picking which artists they want. So, I, you know, again, no idea what's going on. We get out there. And it's this massive piece of land right on the California coast by Santa Clara. Uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful. Piece. And they drive us back down and they had this chain of, you know, 20 cabins that was guest homes for the staff usually. And now it's converted to uh, uh, green rooms for the artists and stuff. Well, they had this crazy hodgepodge of like the Decemberists, which is, is like Americana folk, and then Andre Nicotino's East San Francisco hard rap. And it was for Tom's 50th and Henry's graduation. And uh, when I got out there, I mean, I was really in awe. It was just like John Kerry was actually over there just watching diplo the dj spin and it was i felt like it was in an alternate universe that's very interesting <laughs> so the world so, of politics has always so you were partying with steyer and uh, and carrie huh uh, yeah no that was a real thing as a matter of fact it was i forget what tom steyer's wife's name is she gets up and she's like you know tom i just want to sing to you for our 50th so i did this little song i've been practicing it and it was that Wiz Khalifa song in the year 2012 that starts with, So what, we get drunk, so what, we smoke weed. She starts belting it out, she shit-housed. It was fucking great. I was sitting on a ballet, like, what is my life right now? Anyway, I appreciate you being here. Well, thanks so much. Thanks, I appreciate, uh, appreciate it. It was fun. Well, that's fun. Yeah, it was it was good to have a laugh. John Kerry, pleasure to have you on the county line. Have right. a good day out there in the real world. Thank you. To make contact with the Washoe County Republican Party or the county line, please call 775-827-1900 or visit www.washogop.org.